Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, welcome to the TC Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. We're into 2021. The season is off and going, and this week we're delighted to have on the show one of the game's rising stars. This American woman has been a pro for over five years, and 2020 saw her reach new heights that included a first tour-level title, a semifinal appearance at the U.S. Open, and a career-high ranking of number 24. Not bad for a kid from humble beginnings in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Jennifer Brady, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, it's uh, an interesting time for everybody, um, and and I know you're taking time out of your day, your preparation, uh, trying to get ready for the Australian Open. We always talk about how tennis players, in specifically, have to make a lot of commitments to the game and to their craft. This is a very strenuous time, you know, having to deal with the quarantine and having to stay in shape and engaged physically and mentally. How are you trying to do that as you you know wait for the opportunity to get back to the court? Um, well, as of now, um, you know, I've been, uh, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a connecting room with my physio trainer. So, um, you know, every day he comes in here and, um, we, we work out, um, you know, tennis Australia has dropped off dumbbells, kettlebells, uh, medicine balls. Uh, they gave us a bike. Um, so we have pretty much everything we need really to, um, to work out in the room, to train, um, try to keep the fitness levels up and, uh, yeah, you know, and then a little bit of uh, volley to volley with each other. And, um, yeah, just just trying to have fun with it, try to, you know, stay busy, keep a schedule, um, and not really think too much about, uh, you know, just being being in the room or, uh, you know, not not spending a lot of time complaining, that's for sure. <laughs> right, one day at a time, and uh, it's good you have access to all the training methods. I'm always curious, too, with tennis being the shortest off season that I can personally think of. What was it like this year, that window that you had, the season ended, you know, your season especially, where you played a lot of big match tennis. What was it like this year to have those weeks and what type of training did you work on? Um, yeah, you know, honestly, uh, it was it was a little bit different because originally um, uh, Tennis Australia, they were planning on having us um, start uh, – in January, early January. So, you know, everybody was planning on leaving uh, to go to Australia around the 14th, 15th of December. So um, I actually ended up just staying in Europe after Paris. Uh, I played a tournament in um, the Czech Republic and then um, I was just training in Germany with uh, with my coach and my trainer. And, um, you know, we, we had a plan that I think it was going to be maybe four or five weeks uh, of just training and then um, heading off to Australia. So, um, you know, plans changed a little bit and then it ended up being a little bit longer of an off season. Um, I didn't really take a break in terms of training. Uh, so ended up taking, uh, three weeks at home for Christmas, which was really nice. Um, and then, uh, heading over here to Australia. Yeah, it was interesting. We uh, had a chat last week on this show with Jim Courier, and he said in his day, all he did was basically take a week off, reset, and then it's right back to work. You're, you're 
constantly chasing greatness and perfection and you want to get back to work. Well, I will say this too. You're the second guest we've had on this show from Pennsylvania. I talked to Allie Risk last year. Yeah. What is it about that state? What's in the water there? Why are they suddenly now pumping out some of these high quality tennis players? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, Allie's a, a great friend of mine. Um, you know, I really look up to her as a person and, um, you know, just her fighting spirit on the tennis court is admirable. So, um, you know, I think, uh, our, us PA, uh, you know, natives or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think we, um, honestly, I'm not really sure because it's not really a tennis, uh, building state. Um, you, you play a lot indoors. You don't have a lot of time outside to play. And, um, I think, uh, I think we're pretty fortunate to be where we are coming from, uh, such small towns. I know Allie's Allie comes from a small township in uh, Pittsburgh and I come from a small, uh, town in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. So there's not many people out there playing high level tennis, uh, for us to, you know, to grow up and hang around. So me moving to Florida and um, going to the Everett Tennis Academy, I think helped a lot. The story of you becoming, you know, involved in the game, it's kind of the stuff of urban legend. So I wanted you to dispel some of it. It was, they found you basically hitting the ball on the court, just one after the other against the wall that you had a passion for the game. And in Pennsylvania, it can get warm. Like, I just want to let people out there know I'm from the Midwest as yeah. well. Like, it gets hot in the summer. So the <laughs> thing about you that everyone kept coming back to was you were willing to work hard. You were willing to brave the elements. Where did that come from, the love of tennis? Maybe not even necessarily that, the love of competing and, and the training and the willingness to get better. Um, you know, I think uh, just growing up, I was always uh, – I was always outside playing, competing, doing something. Um, you know, I, growing up when I was younger in Pennsylvania, I was always hanging out with the boys. Uh, we would do, I mean, I was playing tackle football, uh, <laughs> basketball, baseball, kickball, anything, you name it. Um, I mean, even playing, you know, I remember sitting in the basement playing Nintendo 64 with uh, my neighbors and uh, yeah, just, I was always just wanting to do something completely competitive or um being outside playing staying active um i mean i remember my mom told me i always wanted to do something that included a sport something that had a ball and i was always like when i was very little i was always going around and picking up like if there was a tennis ball i was you know i would pick it up and then play with it and i was just so excited to you know just do something that involves sports um so yeah, it's it's interesting because nobody in my family played tennis. Nobody in my family knows how to play tennis. And then, um, you know, for me to be where I am today, it's uh, kind of a miracle. Well, I'm sure that they've picked up some things as you've rip, as you've uh, risen through the ranks yeah. and, and gone forward. But that's good that you're like self like a self starter in that respect. You get the opportunity, you know, to go to Florida and train at the Everett Academy and. Yeah. It's got to be a huge step up, even for someone that excelled at a young age like yourself. Madison Keys is there. Chris Everett is obviously a tennis legend. And she's pumped out great players before you and after you. Was that the first moment where you're like, okay, this is a serious endeavor now. There's there's no more half measures. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, for me, starting going to Everett Tennis Academy, it was, uh, it was a lot different than what I had in Pennsylvania. There were a lot more uh, players to practice with i mean obviously like you said maddie was there um ended up lauren davis ended up going there um i mean there were a lot of 
a lot of good players, both men and women. Um, and, you know, I was, uh, I'm really grateful that uh, John Everett and Chris Everett, they, you know, allowed me to train there. And then, um, you know, I think it, it definitely helped uh, me, you know, especially in my junior career to, to become a better player, to understand the game more, to, you know, to develop by game. Um, I think that was a huge turning point for me to, to reach the next level. That decision, because we are recording this in Los Angeles, and for everybody out there listening, I'm talking to a member of the national championship team in uh, 2014 at UCLA. But was that decision to go to college? I mean, you yourself have said you were a late bloomer, you needed the time and development, but a lot of players on your path don't pick school. Maybe it's changing a little bit now, but was that decision to go to a school, especially one like UCLA, was that tough for you? Yeah. um, I mean... At the time, I, uh, you know, I felt not like a failure, but, you know, I was comparing myself to others. And then you had, um, you know, a lot of players my age were uh, already turning pro. Sasha, Sasha Vickery, Madison Gies, uh Vicky Duval, um, Samantha Crawford. I mean, a bunch of girls that I played juniors with, they were all turning pro and then I was going to college. So, you know, I felt like I was like, okay, a bit of an outcast in that sense. But I knew deep down inside me that I wasn't ready to play pro. I was, I may, I didn't really have the same results that they had. Um, I mean, Maddie didn't really play much juniors, but she was already having success at the, you know, at the lower um, challenger events and, you know, pro tournaments and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, looking back, it was a great decision for me because, you know, it helped me mentally, it helped me grow. It helped me, um, you know, become the person I am today. And, uh, you know, I'm really grateful that I had Stella and Rance as my coaches there. And then there was a volunteer assistant coach, uh, Laura Gordon, who helped a lot. And uh, yeah, college isn't for everyone. And, um, you know, I went in with my priorities and I knew um, you had to choose. Uh, the best advice I got in college was you can choose two out of the three things, but not all three social, uh, school, and athletics. So I chose. School and athletics, okay. so. <laughs> the, the wise decision. I don't think many yeah. college kids make that, but it was, the, it was the right one for you and the one we shall strive for. Uh, your coach, you mentioned her, Stella Sampras, Pete Sampras's sister. She had a quote about you that's just phenomenal where no one in college tennis hits forehands like her. And, and oddly enough, maybe she undersold you because we're seeing that at the same pro level. But, I mean, it is. It, it's You <laughs> went to a college program that was very good, won a title. You played with a lot of quality players that had to be instrumental for your development as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I wasn't even, um, you know, the best player on the team at the time. I, I played I played number three singles um, my last year. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it's funny looking back, you know, thinking, um, you know, honestly, those are probably the best times that I, that I've had, Um, especially winning the NCAA title as a team. I think, you know, you ask any college tennis player, what, what's the greatest memory you had if they won a national, national title, I would think that they would say that um, any day. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and um, I'm, I'm happy I made that decision.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. DC Live podcast with uh, Jennifer Brady rolls on here. Uh, 2017, I'm going to skip forward ahead uh, a little bit. You turn pro, you have a couple years. We all know what kind of a grind it is and how you have to fight to make a living on tour, play the ITF events. 2017 happens, Australian Open, fourth round, some big wins there. How much did your world change essentially overnight? And for a lot of Americans, it was overnight because it happens in the middle of the night and then suddenly there's this new fresh American face in the fourth round of a major. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was it was crazy. I couldn't really believe it, to be honest with you. Um, and a little bit of a, a part of me, I don't think I was really ready for that type of success. My world changed a lot, believe me. It, it went from uh, grinding and challenger events, uh, sharing a hotel room with two other girls. So there were three of us in a hotel and uh, to then staying in um, some pretty nice hotels by myself, uh, not having to share a room and uh, just like little things like that. I think, um, you know, it's people think, uh, you know, that we're out here and it's all, uh, you know, five-star hotels and, you know, gourmet eats and things like that. But it, it's a grind. I mean, once you're at the, at the, at a high level at the Grand Slams, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, they treat you great. Everything is uh, catered to you. It's really nice, but, you know, playing the lower level events, it, it, it's, it's a grind. It's, um, you know, I think uh, you can only really do it for so long and then it, it I feel like it might just eat you alive. Yeah. So, so to everybody who makes it through, I think that's the toughest part. And once you get through, then you start to realize, okay, this is where I want to be and this is where I want to stay. So then you you have your priorities. You learn how mentally tough you are as well, I'm sure. Uh, and I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but just a quote you said in that time frame. Did you ever get that meeting when you weren't shy around Roger Federer? I know you and everybody else idolizes him, but did you ever get that uh, interaction with him in the last couple of years, maybe last year? Oh, no. <laughs> I... I don't know if I, I mean, I see Roger Federer around on site and I just, I just drool over him. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a God. He, he's the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, even just his personality, I think he's just so low key and, um, he, he's just super chilled. And I mean, he's a great role model for any tennis player or any athlete in general. I think you don't even have to be a tennis player to, to, absolutely love him <laughs> yeah it's insane how i mean obviously how skilled and gifted and accomplished he is but that's what people keep coming back to is just what a role model he is which is yeah. ultra impressive for sure uh 2018 was not a great year for you by your standards especially um it was a tough time but was there anything that you learned about yourself and you learned about the grind of you know the fall back after the major success of 2017 is there anything you learned about yourself in that year yeah. Um, I think it was just to not put expectations on myself, not to, you know, not to just play for results or things like that, but to find it was, it was more of like a learning year for myself to find, you know, what, why do I play tennis? Why am I out here grinding? What, you know, what exactly is it that I want to do in this sport? And, you know, that was more for, um, you know, for me to find out. And, um, like I said before, in 2017, once I made, you know, fourth round of Australian open and U S open, I wasn't really, I really wasn't ready for that success. And, um, you know, physically, mentally, it just kind of, you know, 
it came all at once. And, um, and then in 2018, when that year came, I, I put a lot of expectations on myself that weren't really, um, maybe realistic or, um, you know, obtainable. So, um, yeah, like I said, it was, it was a learning year and, um, you know, I found out why I want to play tennis and that's because, you know, I just want to see how, how good I can get, how far I can go in the game, but not really put limits on myself or a number on myself, like a ranking or, um, you know, things like that. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect lead into what I want to ask next is that 2019 you bounce back and you have a respectable season. Uh, A lot of players would take that gladly, but the end of the year, you, your quote, I think was, I felt stuck. I feel like I'm, you know, kind of stuck in neutral. I want to get better. Uh, your coach, uh, Michael Gesserer, you decide I'm going to go to Germany. I'm not going to train in Florida. I'm going to go train with him over there. And this isn't, you know, uh, this isn't R and R training from what I've heard. This was more or less like a boot camp. We're going to, you're going to come to Germany. You're going to work hard and the results speak for themselves, but I think it shows an incredible commitment. Most players wouldn't go to Germany in the limited tennis off season that they have, but you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, <laughs> it's like PTSD. It's I don't want to bring up it. bad memories if it's PTSD. No, no, there were no bad <laughs> memories at all. Everything is a good memory. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, <clears throat> like, listen, I was, I was in a place where I just knew I wasn't getting better. Um, I needed, a change. I needed something different. Um, I just felt like I've been doing the same thing my whole life. So, you know, I needed, uh, just a bit of fresh air, maybe, um, you know, something, something that can, you know, bring the spark back in me that I love the game. Like I, I, I love tennis. I love playing. And, um, you know, I felt like I lost that spark a little bit. So, you know, the change was good for me. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I went over to Germany. I, I didn't know my coach. I didn't know my trainer. Um, you know, I was, I was just thrown into it. Um, you know, I met my coach for the first time we met in Beijing in 2019. He flew over to Beijing. We did like a trial, I guess you could say that's what they do here. Like in in tennis is like, you know, like a, a week trial or a month trial to see how you like each other. Um, and, uh, I guess we liked each other. Um, you know, I liked how he coached, how, you know, his demeanor, his mentality, um, how he approached every practice. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. And, um, yeah. And then I was off on a plane to Germany for five weeks. I think I was there and then, yeah. <laughs> Did you realize that first tournament in Brisbane, you know, you beat Sharapova, Barty, who was, uh, you know, <laughs> on top of the world. Was that when you realized, okay, this this made a difference? This isn't, you know, I'm onto something here. Yeah, definitely. You know, I I felt like a different a different player. I had more confidence in my game. I was more aware of how I needed to play my game. Um, I was also practicing with the top players. Um, you know, so I was getting that exposure that I felt like I didn't get before. Um, you know, and then I felt like I belonged. I belong at this level. I, um, you know, and then. Just from there, it's like every day I just want to keep improving and getting better. That run and then the Dubai run that unfortunately didn't end well with the loss to Halep, but you beat a lot of top players in route. I mean, Svitolina, Muguruza. I double-checked the numbers. It was six top 20 wins last year. You went from being able to hold your own in matches with top players to being able to beat them. Was that... In your mind, mental, was that certain aspects of your game you needed to improve? What do you think made the difference for getting over to actually being able to beat some of the best women in the world? 
Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's a little bit of everything, to be honest. I think, you know, first physically, uh, my trainer, Daniel, you know, I, I think I've, uh, you know, gotten a lot fitter. Um, I've put on some muscle and, you know, in matches, I don't feel like I've ever, you know, physically, uh, you know, get tired. So I think that's a huge difference. Um, and then mentally, it's just, uh, you know, I used to feel like it, it, when I'm playing top players, I would be not satisfied, but kind of like happy if I if I got a set off of them. Um, and I think that's not how you can no. win a match. Um, you want to go into the match, you know, confident and wanting to beat them. Um, and that's how I approach every match. I think, you know, I was uh, maybe selling myself a bit short, not having the confidence in my game, not, um, you know, to at least, uh, you know, win the match. So I think, um, you know, mentally, uh, you know, also the physicality of the sport, I think, um, you know, that also helps helps mentally knowing that I can, you know, play at a high level from first point to the last point, regardless of who I'm playing. Um, and then also being more aware of my game, my serve improved a lot. Um, and just uh, also my backhand, I'm working a little bit more on moving forward to the net just in this off seasons. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to keep uh, competing and um, putting myself out there. You know, all your service numbers did go up this year. So that was right on cue to, to mention that, but it's true. I mean, in a sport like tennis, if that improves, there's a direct correlation with success. That Lexington title, your first one, the tour resumes after the shutdown. You show up obviously in great shape, but you know, you just decimate the field. It was, it was very impressive. The thing, the thing that stood out to me though, and, and, kind of wanted to ask you this question. I was always curious. You seemed pretty calm out there. I don't know if it's like a Zen practicing, if you're working on your mental, but you, know, you seemed pretty even keel and uh, didn't get too high when the moments were going great. The little adversity you did have, you, you felt, you know, you handled it pretty well. Is that something else you also work on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> you know, this sport is very emotional. It's, uh, you know, if you... Every single week, if you, you know, if you get down on yourself, I mean, there's only one winner from every single week. So, you know, you have to learn how to handle losses, how to handle wins. Um, you can't get too high on the, on the wins and you can't get too low on the losses. So I think, you know, every match you play, you, you learn something about yourself and your game and how you can improve. And I think if you take that mentality, I think you're going to go a lot further in the sport and um, last a lot longer out there. But yeah, in uh, in Lexington, you know, I, I think um, it was nice. I, I I had a lot of time at home. Um, I was in I was in the states. I mean, before that, I had been um, on the road since uh, pretty much December, um, since or since Australia. So, you know, I was on the road from January until uh, March when Indian Wells was canceled. So, um, you know, I I was at home, took a little bit of time off, spent time with my family that I could. And then, um, was, was training my coach and my trainer were sending me, you know, daily plans every single day because they were back in Germany. So yeah. I, and then I was just, I was just excited to be back and competing. I think when you have a little, uh, stint in, um, you know, competition, you, you appreciate it a little bit more and then, um, you just want to get back out there and enjoy it. Can you put into words what it was like to hoist your first professional trophy? Oh, it was, it was, it was the greatest feeling. Um, it was just as good as winning that national championship <laughs> in, in college, but no, 
I mean, it was it was unbelievable. At first, I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, in that match, I was I was feeling all different types of nerves. I was, you know, but I just uh, I just kept keeping on and uh, focusing on every single point and um, not letting myself get ahead. And because there was a time where I was thinking, you know, I was like, oh, I can win this match. Like I can, you know, win my first title. And then I was like, okay, Jenny, let's start. Fo- let's let's not focus on that. Let's focus on you know this point and how you're gonna win this point and. Yeah, you can't let the emotions get to you, that's for sure. You know, the number of tennis players, just a few that I've talked to, that call themselves by their first name when giving themselves a talking to, it's just great. There's a lot of third person, like, yeah. let's go, Jenny. Did I do that? Did I say my, my own name, <laughs> Jenny? I mean, yeah, but it, it happens. Yeah. It's it's good. Um, yeah. TC Live podcast with Jen Brady, uh, continuing on here. The U.S. Open run, which obviously was life-changing in a lot of ways, there was... A moment where it was a weird thing because everybody expected you to do well at this tournament you didn't really sneak up on anybody you were playing great the rankings don't necessarily reflect that given the the ranking system with the covid and the two-year period but you had expectations on you i don't think many people on the outside realized that and you still were able to live up to them we're talking straight set wins over Kerber. You had the Putin Seva win that really kept you going and uh, the match with Naomi Osaka, which was just amazing. But did you ever take a moment in that run to just, you know, take it in, to be like, this is this is something. That Osaka match is specifically where you were in a moment of just playing excellent tennis and, and achieving excellence in your sport that I think very few have ever really gotten to. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, I think each match was its own match. Um, each match honestly felt like a new tournament. I was trying to just take one at a time. Um, you know, there was a little bit where I was, uh, you know, starting to realize, wow, I'm in, you know, I'm back in the fourth round here. Um, you know, it's been two years or three years since I was back in the fourth round. So that was a huge kind of, um, you know, uplift for me, but, you know, I couldn't get too happy with how I was playing or my success because then I didn't want to, you know, kind of be too satisfied and drop my level a little bit. So I was just, you know, just taking each match one by one. And, um, you know, every single match that I played, I I felt like was, I, I enjoyed it. Um, There was a time when I was playing that match against Osaka and I was like, I don't want this to end. I was like, this is so fun. I don't yeah. want it to end. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great two weeks for me, um, you know, a couple of weeks for me actually yeah. in the States playing, you know, Lexington and then um, and then U.S. Open. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the, especially on home soil in yeah. America, I'm, I'm super happy with the success that I had there. That's a great point you made that a lot of times we see the big win you know, a win over someone who's won a couple majors is ultimately followed by the letdown match after. So it's easy to fall victim to that, which fortunately you didn't. I I also thought to me, none of us wanted that match to end. And we also were really missing having the full fans there because that's one match, if I could pick any, where a full crowd, I don't, I mean, all props to Naomi Osaka. I think she's the measuring stick in, in women's tennis right now. But you were right there with her shot for shot, the American girl. I mean, that's the one match I would have picked for, fans of all of them last year yeah i mean honestly just now thinking about it gives me goosebumps um if if there were fans there if i was playing on ash you know semifinals against naomi osaka with fans with a full pack stadium i mean i i can't think of anything that 
you know, this is what we play for. This is what we train for. And, and to have that opportunity, that moment, I think, um, yeah, it, like I said, it gives me goosebumps. So when the match ends, I know there's really no such thing as a moral victory in sports, but the match ends, you hold your head high. How quickly does it go to, I, I, I want to get back out there. I need to feel that again. I need to have opportunities like that again. Cause like you said, it was a, an unbelievably fun experience I can imagine, but I got to think you're already chomping at the bit as soon as that match ends to get another crack at, at the top in the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, once the match is over, I, I mean, I was, I was proud of myself from the, you know, the couple of weeks, um, I had a great, you know, great tennis, great attitude, great mentality. Um, you know, I think I made a lot of people proud, especially myself. And, uh, yeah, you know, after that match, I, I mean, I was upset, but there really wasn't much I could be, uh, I couldn't really, you know, get down on myself or I don't think that's really fair for me to say that I was, um, really negative with myself uh, because, you know, I think we both played a great match. Um, she maybe played a few points better than me. And um, yeah, I think uh, whoever won that match definitely deserved to win the match. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, all right, I want to, I want to play again. Like I want to play. And then, um, you know, I ended up taking a few days off going to Europe and then it was a uh, short clay season for me. I just played um, French open. So, Yeah. A few more things with Jen Brady on the TC Live podcast before we wrap this up. No pressure for you, but no college tennis player since John McEnroe has won a major. And you're like yeah. the top pick right now. If anyone's going to break this streak, I mean, it, it it's all signs pointing to you. But in all seriousness, there has never really been a time in recent history where there's been more quality college tennis players on the scene. And I think you know, you're in, a, you're in a great example of that, but the college game is really producing a lot of players that decided to go and, and develop. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, like I said earlier, that it really depends on um, your personality, what you need to improve as a player, whether it's on court, off court, um, your mental game, your maturity. Um, I mean, how serious you really are. Um, and, uh, for me personally, I think, you know, if I were to do it all over again, I 100% would uh, would go back to UCLA, would go to college, play for Stella and Rance, um, just because mentally I, I feel like that was uh, huge for me, just because, you know, I was at, the, at an academy for so long, I was in a structure, I was home, and I just needed a change. I needed to be on my own to figure out, you know, myself as a person to, to, to grow off court mainly. Uh, um, and then to realize that, you know, I, I was born to play tennis. I, I, uh, you know, I fell in love with the game more. I appreciated it more, um, just because I didn't have it every single day or it wasn't the number one priority. You also threw in school academics, um, social life. So I think, uh, you know, for me, tennis was, has become my number one priority and it is my number one priority. Well, I can't wait for the streak to end personally. I think you got a great chance to do it, but we'll have to see. There'll be a celebration yeah. when that happens. Um, off, yeah. the court, off the court with you, I know a lot of tennis players are into social media and promoting stuff. You don't necessarily do that as much, but you self-identify as a foodie, so I was hoping to get the yeah. specifics of what that means for you and you know, when you get a chance to uh, you know, clear quarantine, what that's going to look like and uh, you know, what the favorite you know, delicacies are of your uh, experiences as a foodie. 
Uh, oh, geez. Yeah. Anyone, <laughs> any one of my friends knows I uh, eat, sleep, breathe food pretty much. Um, I'm, I love food. Uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't know if eating is a hobby, but I think I would take it as one or at least, um, you know, discovering food or, uh, you know, just different types of food. But um, for me, first thing I'm going to do is go to a nice restaurant. I'm going to get a big giant ribeye steak. I mean, there let me is. tell you, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't wait to eat with a real fork and knife and a good ribeye and on a plate. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a huge uh, meat person. I love steak, ribs. Uh, I'm just your American gal. <laughs> yeah, that That is very specific, but I'm a big fan of those things as well. Uh, and it seems like foodie is the popular answer among this generation of uh, female tennis players. The Americans specifically, you guys are a pretty close-knit group. You know, I was I actually did see you play once a couple years ago against uh, Barty at Indian Wells. We don't need to rehash that match at all. But <laughs> Allie Risk was down there, and, you know, there was a couple yeah. other American women that were around, and you guys are competitive, clearly, with each other. You all want a lot of the same stuff, but it's a good close-knit group out of, out of a family feel, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, I'm, I think we're pretty lucky that we have each other, um, and, uh, you know, off court, we all hang out, we all go to dinner, um, you know, we have good camaraderie and, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really great to see that, um, you know, we're, we're competitors, we're, um, opponents, but also we're, we're friends. So I think you can have both. Definitely. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you, it's been a fun chat with, uh, Jen Brady here on the TC live podcast, but 2021, you're, you're making the commitment to play in Australia and to, take the sacrifices that go with it. What are your goals for the start of the season, how you want to come out and play the, the certain things you might be working on, but ultimately what kind of goals are you setting for yourself this year, whether that be performance-based and ranking an individual tournament, your results at the Grand Slam, what sort of things are you trying to set for yourself this year? Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, my goals are, uh, my goals are pretty, pretty basic, I would say. Just, you know, just approaching each and every day, trying to get better um, and not not putting a ranking number on myself or results on myself. I think, you know, for me personally, that doesn't really motivate me to, you know, to go out there and grind and do the work. Um, you know, it, it just maybe puts a little bit of stress, um, un, unnecessary stress or pressure on myself if I just focus on results or ranking or winning tournaments and stuff like that. So I think, um, you know, just, just approaching each match as is leaving it out there and, um, yeah, just, just enjoying it, having fun. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a long season tennis and, um, you know, you have to, you have to enjoy it. You have to be in a good mindset. You have to stay fresh mentally. And, uh, yeah, just for me, I think, you know, staying in a good, uh, frame of mind and, um, being uh, healthy, I think is the number one priority. That's Jen Brady, the all-American gal, as she says, on the TC Live <laughs> podcast. If you see her, you know, maybe maybe hook her up with the steak. She's earned it based on her play. But seriously, Jen, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, good luck in the future. I see big things coming out of you uh, this year and beyond. But uh, thanks for joining the show, taking time out of your, your day, your quarantine in Australia. We really appreciate you coming on the TC Live podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
Huge thanks to Jennifer Brady for coming on the TC Live podcast. A great tennis player, which we all know, but a really great guest. Very open and uh, endearing and uh, answer all the questions. Uh, a joy to talk to. Appreciate her. Sky is clearly the limit. She's in the top 25 now. There'll be more titles and more opportunities to win majors for her. So good luck to Jennifer and the rest of the players down in Australia in their quarantine as they get ready to pick up the 2021 season uh, with the Australian Open not too far away. A reminder that you can catch every episode of the TC Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network, tennis.com slash podcast. You'll find this and other great podcasts available. We had Jim Courier on the TC Live podcast last week. More interviews with players, more analysis from some of the game's greats and the game's best analysts. It's going to be a fun run on the TC Live podcast. Strap in. Everybody get ready to go. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the TC Live podcast. We'll see you next week.